Good morning. There's, there's people out there. Yeah, they are. The lights, I can't see you, but you're here. I am so glad to be back with you. Um, I'm Mark King. I serve on the conference staff. Uh, people refer to me with much affection as the money guy, the money person. I'm the conference treasurer. And um, I preached here, gosh, it's been almost like six months ago. I mean, I think we just had Easter yesterday and, you know, we're going to have Christmas next week. Time flies, but had a wonderful time here. So when Andrea called me and said she was going to be away today, I said, would you be willing to preach? I don't think she got the word preach out before I said yes. Glad to be back with you and be a part with you today. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord, you who are over us, you who are one of us, you who simply are, Give us a pure heart today that we may see you, a humble heart that we may hear you, a heart of love that we may serve you, a heart of faith that we may always remain in you. Amen. People boundaries, establishing those healthy guardrails for life. That's what I'd like to take just a few moments and share with you today. So our scripture this morning comes from the book of Titus. Titus is one of those um, books that we don't hear a whole lot from. It's a very short letter. You can sit down and read it in about five minutes. Uh, but it has great kernels of truth. And as I was thinking and, and listening for what the Lord would lay upon me today, I was drawn to Titus because of some very quick truths laid out for us. So let's look at that for just a moment. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that no opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, so that they are well-pleasing, not argumentative, not filtering, not showing all good faith, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. The word of God for you, the people of God, thanks be to God. It was 1986, I was in seminary, and I was driving from the church that I was serving at that time back to uh, the campus for the weekend. It was raining that day, and as I was overcoming overcome to a, a stop sign, I hit the brakes a little too hard, and the gravel there and the rain, everything, uh, pushed my car up against a guardrail. Well, I got out and I went and I looked at my car and the entire right side looked like aluminum foil after you had used it. But then I looked at that guardrail and beyond it was a deep ditch that had it not been there, the right side of my car was the last thing I needed to be worried about. Have you ever noticed that most guardrails really don't look that formidable? 
Now, I'm looking at this one up here, and first of all, I have to really wonder, where did you get this? This is state <laughs> property, but we won't go there. But it, it, you know, it's made of steel, but it still, it, it, it just doesn't look like it would do what it's supposed to do. And now, have, they, have you noticed, we don't have these on 77, we have these rubber sticks sticking up along between the toll lane and the everybody else lane. I don't think I want to mess with either one of these. I don't want to try them. They're put there in a purpose, and they've got to have some tested strength, or they wouldn't be there. You know, guardrails are not just found on roads. They are found in factories, found in power plants, around nuclear reactors. They're on hiking trails. They're even in our homes. They can be as simple as a stair railing. Think of that. A stair railing is a guardrail. In your house, a stairwell. Or they can be these concrete and steel barriers. <clears throat> along the road. So when Pastor Andrea relayed to me this series that uh, she would be doing, and she wanted, she asked me, and she gave me the choice, but she asked me if I would be willing to tackle the part in the series that came with relationships. Sometimes we don't think about that with guardrails or, or boundaries. But people relationships need to have boundaries just like so many other things in everyday life. And if there was ever a place we needed boundaries, relationships might be the, the pinnacle. Now, relationships are just scruffy. They're some of the most beautiful things we ever have in life, and yet they can be the pit of life as well. Words or, or actions from another person that takes mere seconds to transact, can lift us up to the glories of heaven, or take years of therapy to recover. Cars can be fixed. Broken bones can be mended. Financial catastrophes can be repaired. But relationships, they're just complicated. So what can I say about those boundaries? Well, I'm going to be honest with you today. There's not a lot of these that are going to be grand revelations that you've never heard of because I think, honestly, what I have to offer is just common sense. So let's tackle the obvious first. Boundaries in committed relationships. And in a committed relationships, naturally, marriage, marriage is at the forefront but if you're in any type of romantic, committed relationship, married or single, what am I about to say qualifies? The first boundary is fidelity. Fidelity. I have been married 32 years. And I'm proud of that. But I will be the first to say, uh, let me rephrase that. I'll be the second one to say, because my wife will jump up and be the first one to say, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of years of experimenting for her to get me in the shape I am in today for her. <laughs> this human notion of monogamy, it's actually quite unique among the Earth's creatures, with the exception of a very few other animals. I looked this up. Certain owls, owls are monogamous for life. Certain vultures 
are monogamous, monogamous, I always have trouble with that word, monogamous for life. Now what does that put us in this same class there? But we human creatures still believe, still trust, that monogamy is sacred. Now yeah, there are a lot of biblical inferences of polygamy, but those are in the Old Testament. By the time we get to the New Testament and we get to the era of, of Christianity, Monogamy is sacred. The Christian era and the Christian teaching, the Christian doctrine, has been one of commitment, commitment to one. Jesus and Paul both had a lot to say about that. Now, I want to stop for a moment and clear something up very quickly. Marriages do fail. It's not always because of infidelity. A divorce is one of the most, most painful experiences anyone will ever go through in life. And I believe the church ought to be about redemption, compassion, and hope, not judgment. But what I am stressing is that if you are in a committed relationship, hence the whole term, Fidelity is a sacred boundary that should be a priority in that relationship. The second boundary, the second boundary very close to that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, people, again, are just messy. Most of us come damaged. All of us have some brokenness. Not one of us, even in committed relationships, know everything that transpires daily with our significant other. Some days are good, and some days are just overwhelming. We will do dumb things. We will say wrong words. We'll be hurtful to others without even realizing it. I love this. On her golden wedding anniversary, a grandmother revealed the secret of a long and happy marriage. She said, on my wedding day, I decided to choose 10 of my husband's faults, which for the, the sake of our marriage, I would always overlook. When she was asked what those 10 were, she said, oh, I never got around to making the list. But when he really ticked me off, I would always say, well, lucky for him, it was one of the list. <laughs> no one's perfect. There is no, no perfect marriage, no perfect relationship. It's a, a union of two imperfect people. Forgive each other. Say I'm sorry as much as, if not more than, I love you. Now, beyond committed relationships, let's say a word about platonic relationships. Now, you're going to have a lot of acquaintances in your life, but you're going to have very few friends, and that's okay. That's okay. So when we talk about platonic friendships, deep friendships, I think the first boundary here is honesty and integrity. I love what the comedian George Carlin says. Everyone preach honesty. 
appreciates honesty until you're honest with them. And then you become, and I'm going to have to clean it up for George, a jerk. But a good friend can be honest, as long as it's honesty with integrity. Not vengeful, not spiteful. We don't need to build ourselves up, even with our deepest friends, by tearing us, others, down. We should expect, we should desire honesty with those that are very important to us, but have integrity with it. Use it carefully and wisely. And I'll tell you one thing that will destroy honesty faster than a toupee will fly off in a hurricane. And that is gossip. That is gossip. If you share gossip about someone who's particularly dear to you just so you can kind of put them in place, what kind of a friend are you? And if you hear gossip coming from one of your friends, this mark of honesty and integrity demands that you don't just sit on it and let it fester and let it tear you apart. It demands that you go talk to them, confront them with it, and see if there can't be some kind of reconciliation. You remember the movie Still Magnolias, one of my favorite movies, believe it or not. And the, the character Clarice Belcher said, if you can't say anything good about somebody, come over here and sit by me. <laughs> well, that's the boundary we don't need to cross because it may impact some very dear relationships. And the second boundary, the second boundary in this line, I would say is loyalty. And do you know what bends loyalty? You know what boundary crosses over loyalty and causes its questioning? Jealousy. Jealousy can be so ugly in friendships. Have you ever been jealous of a friend? Maybe they were spending more time with someone else than they were with you. Or maybe they got a promotion or made a, a grand purchase that you were jealous of. And it begins to eat at you. And jealousy will do that. But if we're in the model of Christian love and, and compassion to others, we should be glad for our friends, that they have other friends, that they do get some niceties in life. And likewise, we would expect it from them if that happens to us. Platonic relationships. All right, there's a third one I want to talk about for very quickly, just a moment, and that would be our vocational or professional relationships, those that deal with our work life. And the first boundary there comes from the employee side. And unless you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, every one of us at some point is an employee in some fashion or another. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as if you are working for the Lord and not human masters. As Christians, I think, I really do think we need to be model citizens. And with that, model employees. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no such thing in this world as fairness. Even the best of employers, 
even the best of companies, are from time to time going to be unfair. It's just a, a, a way of life for some reason. We may love our work, but we may despise it. But remember to be respectful. Don't cross over the boundary of being the, the troublesome employee. I mean, if it gets to be so hard, the best thing to do is try your best to look for something else. But while you are in that employment, the boundary is to be respectful, to be loyal, to be conscientious. And until you move on, never move on. But now, the other boundary on this is on from the, the opposite side, the employer side. And I don't talk about just the owners. I talk about managers, supervisors, as well as owners. And in the same way that we are to be model citizens and model employees, I believe Colossians, I believe what Paul would say as well, is we need to be model supervisors, model managers. Treat everyone as the golden rule would have us treat. I have supervised my fair share of people. There was a, a couple of points where I supervised those who supervised. I really always tried to be respectful, but I made mistakes. I lost my temper. I bundled assignments. I surrendered respect. But I've always tried to go back and make it right because it was a conviction for me. And I really do believe that those who work, that work under me work with me. A manager is never as strong as their weakest subordinate. So with your teams and with your people, find ways to inspire, to motivate without coercion without punishment. Be the model for them because that's a part of the Christian walk. And the boundary of the guardrail there is this. Treat every one of your employees, your team, if they were Jesus himself working for you. That will make the difference in how we treat people. Finally, the last relationship I want to touch on is our faith relationships. Our faith relationship. Yeah, there should be some boundaries with that as well. And the first boundary is with God. And it is this. Is the heavenly creator your number one priority of relationship? No relationship will ever be as content and fulfilling and troubled free or peaceful if God is not primal among your relationships. I believe, I believe we are created with an instilling within us for our souls to cry out for the Lord God. It is a part of our DNA as much as anything. Now sin... And brokenness comes along and twists that, shapes it to something else other than God. But that instilling is God-given. 
And if we ignore it, or if we push it aside, or we don't even make it primal, then it's going to affect our whole equilibrium. If you forsake that, that daily communing and being grounded in God, then I think all of your other relationships are going to suffer. The second boundary here is the faith community, the community of faith. Don't you just love it when people say, oh, I don't need to be to church in order to be spiritual. They're the very same kind that party on Saturday night cavorting with all kinds of deviant behaviors too. Maybe we don't have to have the church to be spiritual, but it sure doesn't hurt. Actually, it helps. We need the community of faith in our lives to help us connect to God and to understand and fulfill the best of our relationships. The church is not, is not a perfect place, or certainly not filled with perfect people. That's for heaven. That comes later in our journey of life, in eternal life. But for right now, I need the church. I need the church to keep me in line, to keep me inspired, to help me connect with Lord God Almighty. Most of all, I need the church, and I hope you need the church, because we are the bride of Christ. And I want to be in that union. I want to be in that relationship. There was a man who was a very devout worshiper at his local church. Never missed a Sunday. He and his wife were always there in their pew Sunday after Sunday. His wife, unfortunately, passed away. And because it was so tied to them together, he found going to church not what it used to be or not what he needed to be, so he just stopped going altogether. After several weeks of noticeable absences, his pastor called on him. It was in the heart of winter, and when he walked in, the pastor walked in, they sat in the living room, there was a, a blazing fire going on in the fireplace. They visited for a while, and they came to a moment of silence. The pastor reached up a pair of tongs and picked up a blazing red-hot ember in the fireplace and laid it on the hearth. Within a few moments, that red, blazing hot turned to a cold <clears throat> and dark ash. The man smiled and looked at his pastor and said, I get it, and I'll be at church on Sunday. People boundaries can be sticky, just like the people we are in boundary with. But as Titus said, show all good faith so that in everything you may adorn the doctrine or, or the teaching or simply the way of Christ our Savior. Amen. Receive this blessing. Know that in the priority of relationships, the Lord Christ, Jesus, 
God and Savior of our life has made the relationship with you a priority. And nothing will ever come between you and God unless you allow it. So go forth and know that God is always around you, with you, filling you, ahead, behind, beside. And as you relate to each other and all those important people in your life, God shows you the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.